up Derek well apparently a lot has happened since we talked last a little bit um not only that it is NFL Sunday for the first time it is the first NFL Sunday of the season and uh pretty awesome day as just as far as uh NFL games as a whole um not so much if you're you know a Bengals fan like me but uh you know we bounce back things happen uh but hey let's go ahead and Absolutely. Here you go. Cheers, brother. Not only is it the first NFL Sunday of the season, um, it is also hunting season officially as of September 1st. Uh, Deer and Dove have uh, are open. Open for game or open for uh, take. We have a few uh, friends and acquaintances who have already posted uh, – some of their bags. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I've been from all the people I've been talking to so far, though, and including myself, um, it's actually been kind of a rough dove season. Um, people are just they're just not flying a lot. I, there was one spot where there was one field on opening day of dove season where they did really good, and then since then it's just been it's been a tough go for everyone everywhere. It seems like you think it's the weather. I don't know. See, I don't know enough about doves to be able to say, it's, "Oh, it's just the weather," right? I don't know if they like a. If, is there one certain type of weather they like more than the other? I mean, I would, I would imagine, I guess, as all animals do. But like, what is it, right? I mean, I still feel it's pretty warm for this time of year. This is only my second year being up here in Delaware, right? But uh, for it, it being mid September, and today was still in the. Um, low 80 it was low high 70s high 70s but keep in mind also today was like the first time it we had a good rain all day for so first time this year really so the forecast throughout the rest of the week and uh, for the foreseeable future at least on my phone's app um says like high of 79 high of 80 every day yeah um which is about, is about standard for the area from what i can remember um in the past uh usually late September, early October is when it really starts getting down 50s, 60s, sometimes 40s. And, you know, late October is really getting down to the 30s. We can already see the change happening. I mean, it's already mm-hmm. getting darker earlier and mm-hmm. uh, stays darker for longer in the morning. Corn's being harvested. Soy yeah. bean, fiel- soy, uh, bean fields are uh, turning yellow. It's happening. It's happening subtly, but it's happening. I thought I'd see a lot more deer movement behind my house, but I actually haven't in the last couple of days. Um... Usually they're all out in the field. Uh oh. Mm mm. That's uh, my daughter Skyler. Everyone who is missing her Barbie. <laughs> oh no! Save the Barbie. Who who doesn't miss Barbie? I guess right. Right. Um, I have not. I haven't seen a whole lot of deer movement. Um, in some places. Uh, now that being said, a lot of places ha- are just overgrown with corn right now. So, um, obviously you can't see through that, but 
Um, there are, but there's been a couple of other places though where I've seen some nice deer, and um, I've seen pictures from a couple butcher shops that, uh, or I guess this one butcher shop that I follow on social media here in Delaware. Um, they post the pictures of like the deer that come in, and there's been some some decent bucks taken. Some with felt, um, some with the felt in their antlers, some with without. Um, it's kind of a mix. That's on my bucket list for sure. I want to take a good buck with velvet still on it. Huh. I think that'd be a, an awesome trophy. A velvet. Hmm. I don't know. I just, I really like the look of, like, I, I prefer the look of no velvet. Like the traditional proper antler. Yeah, I just prefer that. Yeah. Uh, so I, one, of, one of my friends, Stefan, he's down in uh, New Mexico, and he uh, harvested his buck already, his mule. And he actually made a post about it where he said, uh, this is the same spot three seasons in a row. And he's done the trifecta of rifle, muzzleloader, and archery now. And he took his good size mule and it still has velvet on it. And I always thought that'd be a cool trophy. Just to have one of them with still with velvet on it. I've hit the uh, trifecta as far as, you know, methods of take. Um, because we can only use shotguns. Well, I guess you can use... Uh, Pistol caliber rifles now, but anyway, shotgun, muzzleloader, archery. Yeah. Taking one of each now, so. Um, Would you ever eat velvet? Can you? You can. In fact, uh, you should look this up. Uh, Deer velvet spray. It Uh used to be a, what people thought, like a testosterone booster. Uh Uh-huh. And that's the famous story of when um, Ray Lewis was hurt and he made a comeback so quick. Everyone kept saying steroids, steroids. Well, the NFL tested him, and <laughs> nope, no steroids. And he claimed it was a deer velvet spray. So it got pretty hot for a while where it was a spray. You spray it on your tongue, and you leave it on your tongue for like 20 seconds, and it's supposed to boost testosterone because the idea is the antler is the testosterone of the animal, and that, that promotes the growth of it. So apparently they grind it into a powder and you put spray on your tongue and he claims that's what he used to recover. Deer velvet spray. Was he using that when he murdered those people? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, Actually speak- crazy. I feel like I have so many stories for you, man. I really do. I'm sorry. I have so no, many stories. Totally fine. But uh, I do want to say uh, ahead of time that uh, if it sounds like we're a little bit distracted right now, as I stated, it is opening NFL Sunday and we do have the Buccaneers Cowboys game on right now. <laughs> it's time. So we're kind of, so we're kind of watching that game and speaking into microphones at the same time. So. You ready? So uh, another story for you. Ray Lewis's grandma was my kindergarten teacher. Oh, he is from Florida. Yeah, he went down. Yeah. He went to Miami. Uh, even back it up. He went to my rival high school, Kathleen High School. I went to Lake Gibson. And when I was in kindergarten, he was playing in Kathleen High School, and he was already a prospect. His grandma, Miss McKinney, yeah. was my kindergarten teacher, and we used to call him Ray Ray, and he would come after high school and uh, help her because she was his ride home a couple times, but if he wasn't having football uh, or practice, excuse me. And uh, Miss McKinney was my kindergarten teacher who I have some cool memories. And she took us to SeaWorld uh, when we were in kindergarten, and, and then uh, he became the celebrity that he did. And it was crazy that I knew him. 
I mean, obviously I didn't know him, but he would come around our class when he was in high school and then you were around him to blow up into the NFL star he is. And now he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, is he? Or uh, I think he did. He make, yeah, was it this year? We should, I should know this. No, that's bad. But then he had I his. Say, uh, I want to say he is. The dark times of the, the murder and all that. But right. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Um, speaking Crazy. Of rival high, speaking of famous people in rival high schools, Vince Carter went to my rival high school. That's awesome. Mainland. Right there. Yeah. Central Florida, where I'm from, actually has produced quite a few famous people. You have uh, the Pouncey twins who uh, went to Lakeland. Um, Sebastian Janikowski. My wife was friends uh, with Blau Powell. So he was at our high school. He was a, a running back of our high school. Uh, crazy. I mean, you had a couple prospects. You had Chris Rainey, who uh, went and played for Florida. Super fast. I mean, he's running the 40 and like, I think, 4-2. But he had no size. So he was just quick, but he never made it to the NFL. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I growing up, you know, playing high school football, I never realized the difference between like certain levels of high school football. I never realized the difference between where I was playing in like ninety percent of like high school football what like then what like 90 percent of high school football was because i was fortunate enough when we lived in florida to play at seabreeze and at the time i don't know what it is now i haven't kept up with it but seabreeze was a legitimate football program slash power like kind of a like kind of kind of a big deal um you know send people division one prospect like two division one schools as a matter of fact um charles nelson was a was in my class you know on my team he went to oregon played in Actually played against the Buckeyes in the national championship. My favorite team. Um, it was funny. I got. To, I, I. I like. I was watching him play against my team, trying to make plays and rooting against him. You know. And, you know. A guy I practiced with, had class with, definitely legitimately. You know, fairly new. And um, that was wild. But then, like, moving to a a smaller area, and then going to high school, and then seeing what those football f- facilities look like. It's like, whoa. Yeah, you see some of the stuff they're producing out of Texas, you know, and they're yeah. filling stadiums with 50,000 people and all we, this. We played in a college stadium. We played in a legit college stadium. It's awesome. Um, in Florida. And then in Ohio, you know, went to a much smaller sized, you know, school in town. And just just the difference in, like, uh, facilities and um, things like that. It was crazy. Um very like I it was I don't know jaw dropping jaw dropping eye opening whatever you want to, whatever term you want to use but um yeah it was it was it was kind of interesting to see yeah crazy how much money flows through some of these programs like even high school like I said oh like, yeah I mean yeah. look at uh, Lakeland like I said they uh they have a stadium in our town that has a Megatron we have a private school Lakeland Christian who they have a full up. They were the first ones I knew of. They got an AstroTurf Megatron field, you know. It's, to clarify, he does not have a Decepticon. They have a Jumbotron. Jumbotron, Megatron. <laughs> I do have a Decepticon. <laughs> they do not have Decepticons on the football yeah. field trying to uh, kill the other team. I mean, you'll get some of these high schoolers they're producing now. You think they are freaking Decepticons. <laughs> we were talking today in one of my group chats how, like, uh, kickers hitting 60-yard field goals is, like, almost – 
automatic these days. And I didn't now, oh, sorry, go ahead. And, and we were talking about like why that is. And, you know, my theory is that there's just been such an emphasis put on it now, even at a younger age. And now, so like people are developing that skill, younger age and refining it. And just how about multiple naturally. skills? I saw a highlight today. I think it's Kansas city that their, uh, their kicker went down for injury. So the safety came in, he made the extra point and oh, he, yeah. uh, he uh, freaking on kickoff, put it through the uprights. Natural athletes. And you're like, bro, you're the safety, and you just scored points and freaking did the kickoff for your team. Natural athletes, man. Absolutely. So for um, a couple episodes now, we have kind of teased this story. We have meant to tell this story. When I say we, I mean Derek. It's just we never get around to it. <laughs> and before we get too far off the rails here, yeah, I want I want to just go ahead and interrupt, stop the flow, and tell Derek you need to tell this damn story. All right. So yeah. all right. Yeah. So this is about jump school, right? Uh, even before I start with the the story, I guess let me uh, just say maybe. Uh, a heads up to whoever decides that they want to listen to this entire podcast. I'm not sure how the flavor is going to be throughout. I think uh, tonight's going to be, uh, might get heavy at some point. I have some things I'd like to talk about. I think there's going to be some laughter, maybe some comedy. And then uh, I think it's uh, get a little emotional because I have a friend who reached out to me and said, could you talk about something? I want to hear your perspective on it. So I got a lot of things we could cover tonight, but let's start first with at least a funny story. Well, okay. Well, I guess it's funny now. At the time, it was not. All right. So, <laughs> where do I begin? Right. From so, the from the beginning. Story. All right. So, I get tasked with you get to go to Army Airborne School at Fort Benning, Georgia. For those who might not know about Fort Benning, Georgia, it is literally hell on earth. It is South Central Georgia. It's in the swamp, and it is hot. And it's muggy, and it is hot. And when I say it's hot, uh, it's even worse when you're there in July and August. So we get tasked. We go to Airborne. We show up, and already you can feel like everyone's kind of on edge because you're showing up to learn how to jump out of airplanes, but not like you see in Hollywood. It's not free fall. This is static line, World War II style they open a door and they throw your ass to the wind and you're at the mercy of the wind. You would have a sheet over your head. You can't steer it and you just hit the ground. So we show up. We're already kind of, you know, all right, let's just get this over with. Anytime I've ever dealt with the Army, I always make the joke that it's Air Force appreciation because the Army finds a way to take the fun out of everything. And sure enough, three weeks of learning how to jump out of airplanes, they find a way to make it not fun. So for two of the three weeks, all you do is practice falling down. And when I say that's all you do, I literally mean for the first week, for the first five days of jump school, that is all you do is they put you in this massive pea gravel pit that's probably uh, 60 yards by 30 yards with a you know a pavilion over top of it. And you literally just stay in this pea gravel pit and for seven hours of the day, you just practice falling down. So you're already over it by like day two, right? So we uh, make the best of it. We have fun with it. And I can tell you some of those stories later, but where uh, everyone likes to hear the story is where I got my first jump. So here it is, day one of jump week. We show up and it's already freaking early. You know, you're there at 4.30 on the wires. You get your breakfast. You're down at the hangar by like six o'clock. You uh, start getting jocked up. You get your parachute on, all, you know, whatever. 
and they really amp it up. You sit in this massive hangar that has all these wood benches on it. And once you have your parachute on, you can never alter it. You can't take it off. You can't do anything. So if you have to pee, hold it until you jump. And it just sucks. You know, you're sitting in there for five, six, seven hours sometimes, depending on weather, depending on aircraft, depending on how fast passes are going, whatever. So you're in this massive hangar. I think that class, I was around like 300 plus people. So you, you're waiting for one C-130 at a time to show up and get, you know, 60 guys on it and go push them out of it. Well, we got lucky that we had a C-17 show up. So about halfway through the jumps, a C-17 showed up and they're like, hey, we have it. We can load a lot more people on this. We can do more passes. Let's go. So sure enough, we get loaded. Uh, I was not nervous. Like if I can be 100% honest with you, and even now when I jump, I am not nervous like walking out onto the plane. I'm not nervous when the plane takes off. I'm not even nervous when we're uh, when we're getting ready. But it's usually like when I start to like, okay, I'm feeling it is when the door opens. So sure enough, as the plane takes off, you look around, and you can see people like they're sh- visibly shaking. You can see eyes that are as big as their freaking face already. Like they're just, you got to think about this feeling of you have to jump out of this airplane. Cause by the way, if you don't, they threaten you with UCMJ cause you are putting other people in danger now. So if you don't leave the aircraft, you're in trouble. If you do leave the aircraft, well, good job. You got to do it four more times anyway. So already kind of a weird vibe but hey it's all volunteer base right so sure enough <laughs> the plane goes we take off c-17 jump uh they call the commands and that really is what hypes it up you know uh, when they're telling you stand up you know, hook up equipment check all this stuff so finally we're all standing there the door opens up and that's where i was number i think three so i could see out the door and i'm like oh hell yeah cool so uh i'm watching out the door and you're seeing georgia moving by in the distance, you know, out of a, a door. And then they do all their checks. They look around and they call out for standby. And then you're just standing there. And that's when my heart started pumping, you know, like, yeah, yeah, this is real, man. And then, so I kept looking and on the door of the 17, it has these two lights. It has a red light and it has a green light. And when it's red light, it's red light. You don't get to go when it's green light. As fast as you can, you are shuffling out of that airplane and jumping out the door. So to give you a little bit of a reference, we fly at 1,250 foot uh, above ground level. And I think we're as slow as the aircraft can actually physically go. I think it's like 186, 190, maybe knots. And they call it, all right, go. So uh, we all start shuffling down. Number one goes. Number two is gone. I pass off my static line. I turn, I look out the door and I just go and jump just like we were training for the last two weeks. It's hard to explain the violence that it is of jumping out of a aircraft static line because how static line works for those of you who might not understand is I have a parachute inside of my pack on my back and we have a static line that we give off to a guy that's already hooked up to a wire. So when we jump out of the plane, as we jump and that line fully is extended, it opens up that parachute for you. So as soon as you leave the aircraft, the parachute already automatically inflates. So it's very violent until that parachute inflates, catches wind, it inflates, you're good. So I had a good shoot, good exit, all good things. Look up, check canopy, everything looks good. I'm looking around and I'm looking at all the other people behind me jumping out of the same freaking airplane. You're looking, you're, I'm like counting them. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm like, oh, I should probably get my bearings. I see number one ahead of me. I see number two. Uh, it's me. 
And then uh, I just keep looking around. And I'm trying to take in the moment. You know, I just jumped out of a freaking airplane, man. Like, here I am. I'm good. Hell yeah. And then I'm looking around and I'm watching and I start kind of moving around. I'm swinging a little bit. And I look and I remember noticing the jumper behind me was a shorter female. And I could look down and she was on the ground already. I could see her. She's on the ground and she's laying there and she stands up and I'm still up in the, the air. I'm like, this is kind of weird. So I start looking around again and I'm realizing that I'm the only one left up here in the air. There's no one with me. I'm looking around like, what the hell is happening? And then on the ground, the instructors for the course are called black hats. So one of the black hats had a megaphone and he got on the megaphone and he yelled, pull your riser airborne. So since it's a non-steerable chute, you're at the mercy of the wind. What you do is you can alter your canopy by pulling one of the four risers. You have two on each side. So when you pull a riser, essentially you are collapsing that side of the canopy. So what happens is that air has to leave the canopy somehow. So it dumps out the other side. So by you collapsing it, you're giving it kind of a direction travel in. Well, what had happened was I was actually stuck in a thermal. So for those of you who might not know what a thermal is, as the ground warms and it heats up throughout the day, it gives off energy and it actually gives off heat and heat weighing less than cold air rises. So you have a column of air, a literal column of air rising. So when you see like buzzards circling, everyone's always like, oh, there's a dead animal. No, they're lazy and they don't want to flap their wings. So what they do is they thermal surf and they'll actually find thermals and they'll climb and use thermals to help them climb higher and higher so they can keep gliding and go to the next one. Same principles as using gliders. So I'm actually stuck in a thermal and the black hat yelled, hey, pull your eyes airborne, pull it. So I'm like, oh, okay, let's, okay, pull my riser, right? So I grab my front right riser and I start climbing up it. So I get to where the riser is deep into my chest and I start having direction. And sure enough, I come out of the thermal. Well, like an idiot, uh, you're supposed to let up slowly, I guess, on your riser to slowly inflate your canopy. Well, since I'd come out of the thermal and I go ahead and let go of my uh, riser completely, it kind of reinflated my canopy, I guess, faster than what it normally should. And now this caused me to oscillate. So now I am actually swinging from left to right, back and forth, back and forth. And you got to think. So as my canopy is fully inflated, rocking back and forth, I'm underneath it. Uh, I guess a reference, I think you're, I think it's like 30 foot of 550 cord maybe from your parachute down to you. So now imagine, I, get, I don't know the calculation here, but if my parachute's oscillating back and forth, five, 10 foot, now feet, excuse me, I'm underneath that 30 foot down, 30 feet down. And now I'm just swinging further and further out from my canopy. So I do a couple things wrong. It's my own fault. And I promise the story's going to get good here in a second. So first thing I do wrong is I stare at the ground. Well, they teach you never look down. You want to be surprised when you hit the ground. It's like when you shoot a rifle, some of your best shots are when you just barely squeeze that trigger enough to surprises you. Same. Let the ground surprise you. Uh, the second thing is you don't tense up. You need to be loose and relaxed because if you tense up, you're going to get hurt because you're about to hit the ground and they give you reference. This, which, which is probably one of the reasons why they don't want you looking at the ground. Exactly. Cause then you do tense up. So uh, to give you kind of an idea, this is a world war two parachute. It's a T 10 Delta canopy and the descent rate, if I remember correctly is like, uh, I think it's 18 feet per second, 18 to I think 20 feet per second. So you're, you're cooking. 
So uh, here I am oscillating and staring at the ground. And I'm like, all right, here it goes, here it goes. All right, get ready, tense up. And I tense up and I'm planning to hit the ground at the exact moment. It's called a parachute landing fall, your PLF. That when I hit, my idea was to roll onto my right side. So I tensed up. I already prepared for it. Here I go. I get ready to hit. And when I hit, my left foot sticks and my right foot slid out like I did a split. And as soon as I hit, I did a split. I fell backwards and I hit the ground and I hit hard. And I remember I hit my head and just like laid there for a second. And I started feeling myself and I heard this loud noise. I'm just feeling, I'm like, oh, geez, man. Hell yeah, I'm alive. So I'm laying there and I'm like checking myself. I'm like, I'm alive, dude. I'm alive. Hell yeah. And I was in a little bit of pain just from the initial hitting the ground. But I heard this loud noise and I thought it was all the metal on my harness. So as I lay there, I'm like, damn, I'm already sore. My leg hurts. Man, my head kind of, all right, I'm good. So I started taking off my harness. And at this point, I don't know anything. You know, I'm just laying there, just gathering my initial thought assessment. So I roll over onto my knees and I go ahead to start standing up. So I'm on both knees. I post out my left leg and then I kind of use that as a base, a stable base, you know, to stand up. And as I go to stand up with my right leg, uh, the loud noise that I heard that I thought was metal banging was actually that I had broke my left tibia right above my boot. And when I tried putting my weight on it to stand up, I finished breaking the bone completely. So (laughs) I hear the snap. I lay on the ground. Uh, At that point, fuck. Like, oh my God. I know this happened. So I lay on the ground for a minute. I roll up my pant leg and I look and I could see it. You know, I literally rolled up my pant leg and I'm looking and uh, it's very obvious. So this is where it gets good. So now I'm laying there. I'm screaming, you know, fuck, help, fuck. And I'm looking around, and there's no one around me. There's nobody. And Friar DZ is massive, by the way. The drop zone there at Fort Benning is massive. So I'm looking around, like, help, help. I look over in the distance, and this guy comes walking up this little hill. You know, just like barely a little hill there. And I'm, like, waving at him. And I'm still laying on the ground. My parachute's all out and everything. And he's walking up with his parachute in the bag over his back, and he's waving at me. I'm laying on the ground screaming, help, and I'm waving at him. And he starts waving at me, come on, bro, come on. I'm like, no, man, get down here. Get down here, man. So he comes walking down. And I remember looking at him, and I knew the guy. Uh, obviously, I'd been with him the last two weeks. And I laughed because he was a cadet at an academy, and his name was Payne. And in the moment, I remember laughing because in my mind, I remember like, one day he's going to be Major Payne. And I just remember that. And I was like, that's hilarious. So I'm like, oh, hey, uh, Payne, I'm so glad you found me. He's like, what's going on, man? I'm like, uh, I, need, I need to go get help, man. I, uh, I broke my leg. He's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like looking at my parachute and I'm like, you're right. I'm just laying here on the ground for the fun of it, man. Go get help. And by this point, it's been like a solid 10 minutes from me hitting the ground. So I'm laying there. I'm like, go get help, man. And he's like, did you really break your leg? And I rolled up my pant leg and you could see I broke my leg. It wasn't a compound fracture, but you could see the way that my leg was positioned. It was obviously broke. As soon as I showed him, same thing, his mouth opened, his eyes got big and he dropped his parachute and he goes, help and he starts screaming help like no man go get help he's help 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 like no man go get help go get help he's like i'll be right back and he takes off running and i was like oh fuck man okay and so i'm laying there and i'm like oh all right what do do i do what do i do you know what i don't care about this parachute i don't care about anything i'm just laying here so about another five minutes plus go by and i look and a humvee comes pulling up and uh the black hat gets out and i'll never forget this guy you know great guy he was the kind of the the liaison that helped me throughout this process but he gets out, uh, Mahoney was his name, and he walks up to me, 
big old guy too, man. He comes walking up. He's like, what are you doing down there? Who y'all? And they always called Air Force guys who y'all because we always say who y'all, Sergeant. So he's like, what are you doing down there? Who y'all? I'm like, uh, Sergeant, I uh, broke my leg. He's like, no shit. Eh, is it a good one? And I roll up my pant leg and I show him and he laughs. He's like, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, just relax, man. We'll, we'll get you out of here. I was like, all right. So he gets on the uh, the radio. He's like, hey, uh, medic one, uh, we got a, a leg down here. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, yeah, stand by. And I'm like, all right. Uh, I, I guess I'm not jumping anymore, are you? Or am I? He's like, no, I don't, I don't think you are, are you? <laughs> I was like, oh, what does this mean? He's like, you know what? Don't even worry about it right now. We'll worry about it later. Just we got to get you out of here. So uh, I lay there for a minute. We're just bullshitting. And uh, two more Humvees pull up. So it's the classic like mash Humvee. So it was a Humvee that had a soft top on the back of it and then another Humvee. So the soft top pulled up and it had literally the red cross on the side of it. And then the second Humvee pulls up. And I saw the medic Humvee first and then beside it with the second one pulled up and I look, I'm like, who, Oh my God. Like, who's this? And I look up, dude, it's the Lieutenant Colonel commander of airborne school and the chaplain and the chaplain gets out and I look, I'm like, is that a chaplain? He's like, yeah, the old chap decided to come out and I'm looking around like, what the fuck does this mean? I'm like, if I dying you, <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> like, All right. And I'm still laying on the ground by the way, you know, and I was sitting up on one elbow at this time and I'm just trying to keep my leg comfortable. And, uh, guy uh, the commander walks up and i'm like hey hey sir how's it going he's like better than you <laughs> i was like yeah yeah sir you know and it's funny because it's like i'm trying to keep things light because i'm in pain at this point because now at this time man it's been like a solid 20 minutes of me breaking my leg just laying there so i'm trying to like, pain, pain is fully set in. oh it's setting in heavy at this point so i'm trying to keep things funny and i remember like haha but it's also funny that when you get rank you become the funniest person in the room you know so it's like everything he was saying, I'm just like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's funny, sir. And the chaplain came over and he's like, hey, you need anything? And I look at him like, from you? <laughs> uh, uh, no, God, I hope not. <laughs> I, don't, I think I'm good. He's like, all right, just lay here. And so I look and the medic Humvee, uh, the medic gets out and he runs up to me and he runs up, man, drops his rock, gets out on one knee and looks at me. And I'm sorry to everybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but this is where the story starts getting really funny is the idea that the army will take anybody. <laughs> I mean, so this guy gets up, he is all thrust. He runs up to me, he gets on his knee. He drops his rock and he looks at me. And this guy had a lazy eye, like noticeably lazy. And he had a lisp. So I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but the reality is, is at this point, Facts of the story is that I'm laying on the ground. This guy shows up, and when he looks at me and says, "How you doing, who y'all?" But with his lisp, "How you doing, who y'all?" I look at him and I laugh because in my mind, I thought he was trying to be funny to you know help me uh, cope with the situation, and then I quickly realized that no, <laughs> like that's this guy, you know. And I was like, ah. ah, ah. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. He's like, so what's the, what's the problem? What, what's the, what's what hurts? And I was like, uh, it's my my leg. He's like, okay, let's look at it. And so I'm like, okay, man. He grabs my leg and he picks it up. And he grabbed where I broke my leg. And when he grabbed it, and he picked up my leg. I freaking screamed, man! Oh fuck! 
and he lets go of my leg. Literally, just lets it go. It just drops. It, on it the drops ground. on the ground. Clearly, hits the ground. And as soon as it does, I say, "Fuck!" And he's like, "What's what's wrong? What's wrong?" I'm like, "My leg, my leg." He's like, "Oh, I thought it was your ankle." I'm like, "No, for my leg, man. It's my fucking leg, man. My pant legs rolled up. You can see it." And I'm like, "Oh my god, my leg!" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So he's looking at it. He's like, "Yeah, we gotta get you out of here, man. We gotta get you out of here." So he takes off running, goes back to the Humvee, and gets a. a like a standard litter, like a combat litter. Yeah, yeah, like the mesh one, almost a thick mesh material. You know, right, right, right. So he comes over and he opens it up and he lays it beside me. At this point, I'm like looking around and I can't say this enough. It is South Central Georgia on July 13th. It is fucking hot. So I'm done. I've been baking in the sun at this point for 30 minutes. I'm done sweating at this point. I'm just done, dude. And I'm hurting. So he lays the, the litter beside me. He's like, all right, let's go ahead and try to get you on. And so he gets the chaplain to grab my one leg. In his mind, he was going to grab my other and have the commander of airborne school pick me up by my torso and literally place me on the litter. So he's planning this all out. All right, sir, if you don't mind, can you grab his arm and all this? And I'm waiting. I'm like, I, I, I could just get on the litter. <laughs> you know, It's sitting right beside me. And he looks at me. He's like, can you do that? And I was like, Yes, I can fucking do this, dude. Yes, put it beside me. So I literally like lean up and I put my ass on the litter and lay on it and grab my own leg and put it on it. So uh, he goes ahead and starts to strap me down. He's like, go ahead, lay down, lay down. So I lay down and he starts to like strap me onto the litter. So he does my waist first and then he does my chest. And then he tried to do my arms, which is standard. But at this point I was like, no, I don't, I'm conscious. Like I'm good. I don't want my arms freaking strapped down right now, man. So he goes, okay. So he goes, sir, and uh, sir. So he points to the commander and the chaplain. He's like, can you two get the back of the litter? I'll get the front. So I'm laying, looking up, and he's to do a litter carry as he turned around. So his ass is facing my face right now, right? <laughs> so I'm on the ground. He bends over, and I can't make this shit up, dude. And you're in, in the meantime, like during this whole process, now that his ass is in your face, you're smelling every bit of that Georgia heat. And every bit of it coming and right just off his looking ass. up sitting up laying on the litter now looking right up and he's bending over me to pick up but i don't notice it until the he's like all right ready one two three lift and when he does the chaplain and the commander pull up their side when he picked up the one post of the litter was between his legs so when he picked it up he like sack tapped himself dude and he goes oh and he sets the litter down so now i'm inverted looking up at this guy's crotch and i have the commander of airborne school and the chaplain holding the other end of the litter and my feet are inverted now i'm just laying there like what the fuck man i'm pain setting in and all this i'm like oh my god and so he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry here and then by this point the black hat was like let me help you man so he goes over and picks up the litter with him so they walk me to the back of the humvee they put me in the back and they put me, I guess it had like two racks on the side, but it's like a, a troop transporter. So it has like this spot in the middle where you can put your legs. Well, when they strapped me in, they didn't uh, strap my legs because he didn't want to hurt my leg any further. So they strapped me in. Uh, I'm literally waist, chest, chest, and uh, secured to the litter and we start driving off the DZ. Well, it's a bumpy off-road freaking DZ, right? So as we're putzing along, he hits a bump and my leg is not strapped down and my broken leg falls off the litter and goes down into the spot where your feet would go if you're just sitting sideways, right? So I literally, my broken leg falls off the litter. I'm screaming, fuck! And I'm like punching, you know, the, the side of the, the Humvee. So he stops. And he's like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, my leg, man, my leg. I'm strapped down. I'm trying to pick up the leg. He's like, oh, okay. 
So he picks up my leg, puts it on the litter, straps it down. So finally, they drive me off the DZ. They get me to the pavilion. And what's crazy is when it's jump week, all these people can invite their parents. So all the parents that want to be there can go. So you have 340 plus people jumping out airplanes. Now they have their parents there and they're all gathered at this pavilion to watch it all go down. So they drive me to the pavilion and then he looks around and goes, we'll take you to this back one. So they take me to the second pavilion. He pulls me out, leaves me on the litter and puts me on a picnic table and looks at me and goes, I'll be back and drives away. So now I'm strapped on this litter sitting on a freaking picnic table by myself with a broken leg. And I'm looking around like there's nobody here. And then maybe like five minutes go by again. And finally an ambulance pulls up and they back up and these two guys get out and they are the most laid back. I'm, I'm, I'm in full pain at this point, man. It's a solid 40 minutes plus now. And I'm freaking sweating. I'm, I'm done. And these two guys get out and they're like, what's going on airborne? I was like, uh, I broke my leg. And I'm like, yeah, we heard. We'll get you taken care of. We'll get you out of here. Just real relaxed. So they back the ambulance all the way up. They get the proper stretcher out and they, transport me uh on uh onto the stretcher but before they do that they're uh, they're looking around and they're like all right hey uh let's let's get a look at the injury while while we got you here and I'm like, okay so they get a pair of scissors and they start cutting my pants off me so they take the broken leg pant and uh they start cutting up and they get to my knee and they keep going and i'm just laying there I'm like okay whatever and they keep going and they keep going and finally they get to my crotch and i'm like wait 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 he looks at me and goes, yeah, we got to take your pants off you, man. Like, we're just, we got to expose the injury and uh, we're going to get you ready to go. And I was like, oh, I'm not wearing underwear. And he looks at me and he's like, what? I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing underwear. He's like, well, why aren't you wearing underwear? I'm like, It's 100 degrees and in Georgia right now. I'm sweating. I'm not wearing underwear, man. And he looks at me and he's like, that's. Okay, uh, the pants have got to come off anyway, so uh, all right, we're okay with it if you are. I'm like, well, if you got to do it. So they cut my pants off me, and uh, they take in, uh, the scissors and cut my boot off me. And as they go to cut my boot, I'm like, whoa, whoa what are you doing with my boot? And he's like, we got to cut your boot off you. And I'm like, no, I, I'll just take it off. And they're like, no, it's standard practice, man. I got to cut it off. And I'm like, I just bought these boots. He's like, don't worry about it. We'll get you a new pair. It's all refundable. By who? He's like, don't worry about it now. Just don't worry about it. So he cuts my boot off me and just reassures me. So sure enough, uh, I'm laying there and they're getting their bags out and everything. And this guy starts touching my face. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, you want this. And I look and he rolled up my belt and he had it at my mouth. And I'm like, what are you trying to do? What? He goes, you're going to want this. And I look and the guy had gloves on and was already like holding my leg. And I like look around and they're like, yeah, we're setting this here right now. I was like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, it's out of line. We got to line it up. So I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, what? Like, yeah, we got to line it up, man. And so they start holding my chest down. The other guy grabs my leg, and they literally, like, brace it up straight like this uh, above, like, my heart and everything. And the guy who was trying to put my belt in my mouth was holding my chest down. And I was like, no, no, no don't do that. He's like, okay. I'm like, no, no, like, I don't like that. So I'll just hold my own leg. I'll lay here and just let's go. And I go, okay, here we go. So I grab my own thigh and they count down three, two, one. And he grabs my foot and my ankle and they pull and twist and turn and they start setting it. And at that point, I freaking scream as loud, you know, fuck as loud as I can. And I repeat it several times. And I look over as I'm like laying there, like my, I'm really not feeling good. 
and all the parents in the other pavilion are looking at me naked on a stretcher screaming fuck 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 i'm laying there real wholesome real wholesome moment for the family and i'm like looking around like oh fuck all right they're like all right yeah yeah all right all right we're good we're good it's it's good it's good let's go i'm like like, oh god so they go ahead and put me on the, the stretcher and they start backing me up into the ambulance and i look up and my friend jordan he's like standing right there and I'm like, hey, hey, hold on, hold on. And I look, and my friend Jordan is running up to me, and he's all sweaty and everything. And he's like, hey, hey, day, hey, hey. And I'm looking, hey, 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 what's up? And he's like, oh man, I just, I had to come over here. I heard uh, someone said like you, you broke your neck, they think, or your back or something. I'm like, no, man, I broke my leg. And he was like, oh, dang, okay. Uh, I'm like, dude, you can come up here. And he was standing like ten yards away. So he comes walking up and he looks at me and he's like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Take me to the hospital, man. I'll, I'll call you. I'll tell you where I'm at. So you guys come up there. He's like, yeah, we'll be right there. We'll be right there, man. And he leans in and he kisses me on my forehead and he like grabs my hair. And he like tussles it around. You know, he's like, I love you, man. We'll be right there. And I just like look and the two EMT guys, the paramedics are standing there where they're like, okay <laughs> and i'm like and insert air force joke here and i was like get me out of here and they're like hey it's cool man it's, a, it's an air force thing i guess and i was like let's just go so uh yeah that was the story of how i broke my leg at airborne long story that was like 20 minutes long but uh good times now i have a uh, titanium rod that goes all the way from my knee to my ankle and uh unfortunately I had to go back and do airborne all over again. No broken legs this time, I hope. No, no, no. They actually said, hey, if you come back in under six months, all you have to do is jump. Do your four jumps and you're done. And I went to my uh, my uh, command at the time and I told them I want to go back. And they're like, no, bro, you're here for a while. We're not sending you back immediately. So when I went back, I had to go through all three weeks again. No. Oh. So anyway, yep, that's airborne. Had to go through that uh, little week of falling again. Yeah, I remember when I showed up, you talk about, like, unmotivated. The whole, like, as soon as they told me, hey, you got to go for all three weeks. From that point on, dude, it was, yeah, I was a very dull person. Man, that's oh, rough. Well. Oh, well. You know, my I'm, I'm going to have to tell my uncle about this, though, because he, he was a uh, he was in the 75th Army uh, uh, Ranger Regiment. So he had to do uh, jump school. So I, he, I'm sure he would think this uh, story is great. They have these towers there. I don't know how much truth is in this, but they claim that the towers are from the World's Fair in like the 1900s. They're 250 foot tall. And what they do is it's a giant circle and they put a parachute inside of the circle and it's just held with these little clips. And they're held together by gravity, dude. It's a walking spring. So just a little bit of gravity opens the spring up. So what they do is they take this parachute already inflated and they pull you from the ground all the way up to 230 feet and they let you sit there for a second and you have to untie yourself, your safety line. And they say, all right, if you're ready, click your heels together like Dorothy. You click your heels together and they pull it up as fast as they can the last 20 feet and they jolt the giant hula hoop and that motion opens up those springs and now you fall to the ground with an already inflated parachute. The sketchiest craziest dumbest thing in the world the first time i went through they're there they're heritage item they're these monster towers in this field and there's four of them each and you see them every day and you're just like in the back of your mind there's no way we're doing that and the first time i went through we didn't do it and they're like they're closed for good a year later when i went back i had to fucking do it dude (laughs) and that was literally the most 
anxiety. It's almost like those carnival rides that like just drop you. Yes, except for there's no stopping with pulleys and wires. It's you smashing into the ground with a parachute (laughs) in front of everybody. So while I was there, actually, the winds, it's a... Imagine it's a 250-foot-tall tower with an X on the top. So you have the four arms that come off of it. And they judge the winds for the day. And depending on the winds, they put you on whatever arm is downwind. And while I'm there, freaking airborne, man. They pull it up. They do the drop. She comes down, and the wind shifted. And this female sergeant got wrapped up in the metal tower by her parachute at like 150, 180 feet up in the air. So she's suspended from only her canopy wrapped around this freaking tower sitting there swinging screaming help and they have the action is number one is one black hat climbs the tower as fast as possible to get to her the other one is they take a second arm and they drop the winch down they hook a black hat onto the the winch by a harness and they bring out this rope that's like a thousand foot long probably and they make all airborne grab the rope and as they pull him up that second limb we then using the rope, pull him around to get to her. So we all had to run around this massive field with this rope so he could get to her. And then that guy got to her first before the other, the climber could. And he goes up to her and clips her in just by one carabiner on his hip and then releases her from her canopy. And she's just held there by her hip. And so they lower the black hat and her down. She hits the ground safely. We're all standing there and start rolling up the rope. And I was like, bro, we're done for the day. Hell yeah, dude, that's a mishap. <laughs> <laughs> the Air Force, we're fucking done, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, there's going to be an investigation. We're good. And all they said was, all right, go grab an MRE. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. We're definitely done. Hell yeah. And uh, we're all eating our MREs. And they were like, hey, Air Force, you're up. And like looking around. We're like, what? And they're like, yeah, report back. Let's go. And we all had to run back across the field. And I was like, there's no fucking way. They're messing with us. We're not doing this. And he looks at me and goes, Air Force, get the harness on. And I had to go crazy dude and to think like if that story is true by the way that's a world's fair ride think that like that used to be a ride in the 1900s oh yeah it sounds like it sounds like you know obviously the early form of that drop entertainment yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's i mean shit people did weird crap for uh entertainment back in the day so i mean you know you never know yeah so that is a 25-minute story about Airborne. <sighs> Isn't there like an accepted um, like injury rate? I've heard it. I've never read any doctrine that says it, but there is an accepted rate of injury slash fatality because it's understood that you're at a very dangerous position anyway of jumping off an airplane. So, yeah. So it's, yeah, so like they're like, – so many people can be hurt or die and there's like, okay, well see you guys tomorrow. So here's a picture of the 250 foot towers. Oh, that's not at all. What I imagined. Yeah. It looks like just a cell phone tower with just a, a two arm or four arms coming off the top. Yeah, it really does. Interesting. So all they do yeah, is they just, you can see here, they would have just pull you up. You sit there and then you nod or you click your heels together and then they jolt you and you fall to the ground. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> yeah. So now that we're talking about this, and uh, I am going to bring it up, by the way. Uh, yeah. So today is September 11th. 
but uh, yesterday, being September 10th, was the three-year anniversary of my friend's death, who uh, was tragically taken from us in a parachuting accident. So I bring it up only because it was uh, something I talked about in the last episode when I talked about how I went to Oktoberfest and was drinking for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is I talked to his mom last night and she even brought up, she's like, hey, I was in that episode and you talking about it. And I told her when I got off the phone with her last night, I was like, you know, it's very interesting or it, it amazes me and I love it. Every time I talk to you, you're always in good spirits. So just give some people, I guess, a perspective of what happened was um, I was living in England. Uh, Adam was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base and was a test parachutist. He had something go wrong with his canopy and uh, he was tragically killed on a parachuting jump mission. So his family appointed me to be his escort. So I uh, left England and I had to learn this whole process. And this is something I would really like to talk about in depth one night, maybe. But it was very eye-opening that I'd never done anything like this, even though I have been around other deaths in the military already. I had a new troop that was killed of mine in a motorcycle accident. So uh, Adam and I actually were, uh, we uh, watched over Waterbach one night while his parents were here and learned a lot of that whole process then. So anyway, um, I took the family out to la we drove up into ventura Ohio is where adam lived as a, a young kid and it just so happened that edwards is only two hours away so i don't mean for this to sound wrong at all but lucky for this situation is that he was so close to home so when i went to ventura i would just drive every day to edwards and back to get brief and learn this whole process so the hardest day of my life, I would say. And I've, I've had a lot of death in my life. You know, I, I lost my mom, uh, two years ago, uh, lost a childhood friend growing up, uh, suicides. It, I have a lot of it. So I'm kind of numb to it. I would say the hardest thing in my life, man, was when I took Adam from Edwards and the hearse drove us to Ventura. So for two hours and every single bridge that we passed had, uh, police, firefighters, paramedics, every bridge for two hours were just covered with first responders standing there with American flag saluting. Which, I mean, such a touching tribute, but for you in the vehicle at the time, has to be hard. With Adam laying behind me. Right. Yeah, and it was the most amazing thing is the California Wildland Firefighters, they had their helo and they escorted us to the end of the county so it was like an hour and 40 minutes of them flying only like 30 feet above the hearse man and they were just escorting us down the highway and then every bridge you just saw people stand there saluting paying their respects so uh like i said that was just a very hard day man you learn a lot so with yesterday uh I, that year i waited of course the to the one year anniversary and uh my friend Josh and I built this workout that we do for him uh, called the Rick. And this year I didn't do it. I want to do something different. So I ran a half marathon, but I was like, yeah, you know, whatever, just run a half marathon. No. So I did it with my uh, plate carrier on and uh, I had two guys ruck it with me. I was going to ruck it and I, I kind of, I guess bitching out on this one, but 
yeah, I messed my neck up a couple of weeks ago doing uh, some jujitsu and I've been sleeping on it wrong. So I was like, man, I, I don't care if I get, you know, hurt a little bit, but I'm not going to injure myself. So I ended up doing it with the plate carrier on and, uh, yeah, it was good, man. Just, to get out there and suffer a little bit. Just remember Adam. So for two and a half hours, put some weight on and just go. So we did it and we showed up and, uh, all three of us finished it. Then got home and just, it's been three years. So I called his mom. We talked for a little bit and just have to remember him, you know? Love you, Adam. Miss you, man. Crazy. Life's crazy, man. Yeah. And, um, You know, I, I got I had the um, privilege, I should say, of doing uh, base honor guard for a while, and um, you know, being being able to be a part of uh, you know such an important part in all these families' lives and everything. Um, some members were active duty, some members were retired, some members were only in for four years. You know. Um, seeing what I mean this person was your you know friend family whatever you know not whatever but you know what I'm saying um just seeing that firsthand um having you you really like when you get to the car after after the ceremony's done and everything you're like damn man um it's it's rough on that end alone. And then not only, and then you add the aspect of it that you actually knowing that person being a family member, and then you were involved specifically you in a way that you probably could never could have even imagined. So I don't think I'm the toughest guy at all. I mean, obviously my daughter thinks I am, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I left a lot of the story out because out of respect for people and I guess what they witnessed and saw and were a part of. But man, when I first showed up to Edwards and I walked into the uh, mortuary affairs and I went down into the lady's office and I wasn't ready. I, I knew what I was getting into, of course, but I wasn't ready for it. And I walk in, she had all this stuff laying on the table there. And there's probably nothing you can do to be ready. And she didn't tell me either. And it's like, I don't need someone to hold my hand. I get it. You know, fucking grown man. But when I walked into her office for her to brief me, because it's all formal. It's very formal. Mm -hmm. There's a whole AFI you have to read and freaking. So I walk in and I just, she opens her door and I look on her table and, you know, his flip flops and everything, you know, his, Mm -hmm. his jacket, his hoodie was there, uh, I'm just looking at it, and that's when I'm like, man. So after the viewing that first night, I can't even tell you. There was like 50, 55 of us, I think, that all got together. And we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. And I remember we're all standing around. We're all having beer. We're all having a great time. We're all, you know, I'm looking around. I'm like, man, this is almost complete. Something's missing. That's right. Yeah. Didn't set in yet. And so... Like I said, I don't think I'm the toughest guy, man. But I can hold my own. 
until anything that has to do with military funerals, mm-hmm. like taps. Taps is freaking somber, man. Hardest song. Yeah. That is... <laughs> yeah, that, that that's... It's a rough one, especially in especially in that scenario. You in and probably more so for you than yeah, you know, definitely more so for you than the average person. So, yeah, when Lauterbach was killed, we all uh, came together and they did the ceremony on base and they did the uh, the roll call. And that's when I lost it, man. And then they played taps. And I look, just just looked up, you know, just, fuck. It's a hard one. And then same thing, we we're standing there. And what's crazy is once again, man, this goes back to what I said about Karen. Throughout this whole process, I was a fucking mess, man. And actually, there is comedy in it. I Yeah, I always have to laugh, you know. So you know how Hollywood does it when they show like a military funeral, how especially like, what is it? Um, American Sniper. Yeah. Chris they Cotton show Hamlet. where uh, they show his coffin and they go put their trident in it and they all punch it. Mm-hmm. So the same thing. We're all putting uh, our flashes into his, uh, his coffin and you think it's Hollywood. You're supposed to punch it in, right? That doesn't work with straight nails, right? You punch it and it loosens all the other ones. So, the first one or two people get away with it when everyone else started kept punching it, trying to put their flash in. The other ones are bouncing out. So, <laughs> so, so there's so it's oh, a little it, awkward. And not only is it awkward, dude, there's like 90 people lined up to do it, right? So oh people God. couldn't, like, after the, you see the first two or three happen, we're even like, hey, pass it down the, the line, man. Tell them, push it in. Use your palm and push it and don't punch it. So, same thing. Everyone gets up there and fumble, fucks it up. And I have a friend who took his flash off his bra, man, and he pushed or tried his best to push it in and it like tilt over, you know, tilted over a little bit. So he like gets mad and he like really holds to push it in and he lets go of it so he can then like hammer it in. And when he did, it fell and it went down into the grave. So he just, so it, he, he looks around and his flash just went down into the grave. So he didn't get to put his flash in. So he looks around and goes, Hmm, I got a second one. He pulls it out of his pocket, dude, and tries to push it in and still doesn't get a good set on it. It just, oh, so little man. things like that. So after it's all said and done, you know, we're all just standing there and I walk up to his mom and you got to think of this moment, man. You have to think of this moment of like, think about her and his dad and his, his sister. And I walk up and I'm a mess, you know, and his mom looks at me and goes, you had trouble with your, uh, your flash, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, Ow. oh my God. Oh. So just like I said last wanna, night. It- and, and like you probably like laugh, but at the same time you just want to crumble. I know. I'm, I, I you have to laugh when you're around Karen. So same thing. I called her last night. I told her I was like, it's so refreshing every time I talk to you. you you're a happy person, you know. Yeah, you smile. You uh, you always have a joke, and and I'm that way too. I have a guy at work right now. So I was like, everything's a joke to you. Like, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, it has to be. So I'll say if you could, if you can't turn it into a joke, life gets real depressing. Yeah. I find humor in everything. Not hard to. No. <laughs> you, just, you just have to have a uh, be able to go uh, dark sometimes. <laughs> yeah. For, with, yeah. With your humor. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially uh, the people I'm around these days that uh, you realize, like, try being a first responder for one day. Try being a paramedic for one day. My dad's got some stories as a uh, state trooper in Ohio, like traffic accidents (laughs) and things like that. Um, Probably one of the most gruesome one was this dude ran a stop sign or something and got sandwiched in between two semis. Like his car got sandwiched and like you couldn't even tell. He says that you couldn't even tell there was a car in between these two. Um, and then like it wasn't until like somebody told him like, yeah, there's a dude in between those. And it was just dudes va- vaporized. Yeah. Right. Uh, and um, it, you deal with that enough. And he also eventually is able to find humor. So yeah. I guess he uh, there was two trainees uh, during in another accident. Fatal crashes. He, uh, that they're just kind of staring, right? They're they're shocked. This is probably their their first like experience with something like this. And he says he just comes up behind him, puts his arm, comes up in between both of them, puts his arm around both of them, and goes, "I see dead people." Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> uh, and then they all, then they all kind of like, "Oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But once again, for everyone that is listening right now, that we're laughing at this is that. In those moments, you have to find that humor. Man, if you can't, it, and even though it's not a funny, it's obviously it's not funny, right? Um, but like, it can mess you up if you if you don't. If you away. can't decompress a healthy way, then you decompress the wrong way or and, not at all. And laughter is a very healthy way. It's the best form of medicine, isn't it? Yeah. So that's why. Uh, Which is probably why you and myself, I do the same thing. I remember when you, when you said this, I am like, yeah, I do the exact same thing. When you're in pain, you try and make jokes about it. Right. So you can laugh and you can not feel it so much. I do. I do the exact same thing. If I'm in pain, I try and make a joke about it. Yeah. So it's funny too, because I know I laugh at everything, but one of the guys I work with right now, we were rolling the other day and, uh, some people were taking some videos and then later we were watching them. And I don't realize how much I smile when I roll. So at one point, this guy's literally about to snap my arm. Literally. He had me in an Americana, dude, that it was deep, but I'm not going to quit, you know? So I keep rolling and try to roll out of it, roll into it. And it's all on film that I turn and I literally just smile. Then you see the guy with the camera, like, zoom in. And so we're watching it, and the guy's like, you laugh at everything. Like, he's literally trying to break your arm off. And I'm like, yeah, he is. <laughs> you know, Hell yeah, he is. He's like, yeah, you literally just watch. And so same thing. You see me choking people with their own geese and stuff, you know, and I always just keep smiling. Like, yeah. Whoa, dude. That was a lot of water. Oh, yeah. They were just, they just showed the uh, Justin Fields celebrating in the rain doing the uh, belly slide. Yeah. It was basically uh, Soldier Field Lake. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Out there today. <sighs> crazy, man. Yeah, so you said you had uh, a buddy ask you a question about something? Yeah. I mean, we're already on some heavy topics today. I mean, I gave oh, it a little okay. warning. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you want to stay in this realm for a while? We can end it on a light note tonight, but okay, I yeah, we can, we can We can stick with it. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued, right? Let me give a, a little backstory, I guess, and I don't know if you've ever dealt with this or not, but uh, I'm not calling anyone out. I'm not saying any names. I'm just telling you what has happened. Once again, I don't think I, – I know I'm nothing special. However, there are little things that happen sometimes that I'm like, am I really like a 
I don't know, like a, a good way to say this without sounding like pompous or something, but am I like a beacon of hope for some people? Like, and I say that only because of, like, like I said, that sounds bad, right? <laughs> they're, 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 yeah, I, I, I was just trying to think of another way to put that. How do you put this, right? <laughs> but I've had multiple people in my life, man, come to me and tell me about how bad of a situation they're in. And I'm not naming one right now because I have four I'm thinking of in my mind that have all been suicidal, um, depressed, very low points in their life. And they confide in me, which is um, if, if you need to talk, by the way, call me, talk to me, text yeah, me. Right. I'd rather you do that than the opposite. Trust me. So Ray of sunshine. There you go. I, I, found, I found it. <laughs> thank you. So and I so a little bit of backstory. So this year. My goal is to run a thousand miles. So I actually started taking some videos of me on some long runs where I'll just pull out my phone and just do like a little 40 second, 30 second little, just what am I thinking in that moment of when I'm mile five or six into a eight, nine mile run. Right. And recently Lauren was uh, going through my pictures and cause I take a lot of pictures. So she's pretty busy these days working. So she likes to go through my phone and take pictures of like the girls or anything and just send them to herself. So she has them. And so she saw these videos on my phone. She's like, what's this? I'm like, oh, it's nothing. She clicked on them when she was watching them. And at one point, actually, on one of them, she was like teary-eyed. And I'm like, what? And she was like, that's you. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, this might be a wrong word, but I'm seven miles into a run. I literally just said what was on my mind. And I know exactly the video she was talking about. And she's like, that's just like, you're vulnerable. Like, I've, I've never seen you really like open like that. Like authentic. Maybe. Yeah. I was talking about my mom, you know, that uh, how much I was thinking about her and stuff while well, anyway. And so I was putting the whole idea in my mind was I'm running a thousand miles. I want to document this and uh, maybe just post it a quick three minute video, five minute video and just show people like, Hey man, I met my goal. Here's the process through it. Like you can do this shit too. I don't know. Because I have these people in my mind. I'm like, if I could just affect one person for the better, I think I'd be happy, you know? And so I had all these clips and then I just laid in bed one night. And I was like, fuck it. I'm done. And I deleted all of them. Like, I'm not doing it. So I stopped doing it. And, uh, here I am. Like, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But I was like, I who am I going to help? You know, I literally was like, fuck it. This is dumb. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get like Instagram famous or anything. It's just, I literally thought if I could just make a video and show someone like, a little bit of inspiration, maybe change someone's life. Yeah. But then, like I said, it just got the better of me. I waited better. I'm just, just delete it all. So, like I said, maybe that was vulnerable. So now to continue with the story, I've had multiple people reach out to me and, uh, in the past couple of years too, it's been probably about four years of this and they've been in some pretty low spots in their life and have been fighting some internal demons. Mm-hmm. And one recently, uh, him and I were talking and got into a really deep conversation. And even then, I feel bad. I feel like I should go further with him on this and uh, offer so much more, you know. But he texted me today and he asked this. What keeps you going? Struggles? Life? Mentally, what keeps you going every day?
that's heavy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's heavy. Especially if, like <clears throat> if you've never like really thought about it. Like for I've never really put much thought into that. I just kind of get up every day and do, you know. Um I look at it like you get up every day. There's certain things you have to do. You just you have to do it, you know? Yeah. yeah I mean, you have to go to work, right? Especially for us because we don't we go to jail. What keeps me going? Well, UCMJ mostly. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, anyway so there's the joke um no um you want me to go first yeah go ahead i'm, I'm trying to think I'm yeah trying to no, think. no no no. I've, I've, I've thought about this you know since you texted to me i had a very harsh upbringing compared to i'd say a lot of people but the reality is it's probably easily 60% of America lives like this. I came from a single mother raising three kids, making $800 a month, man. She was a cashier at Discount Auto Parts. Like I make this joke a lot to my daughter. I'm like, you know how many times I go to... When I was a kid your age, do you know how many times I went to bed and had sleep for dinner? <laughs> you know? When I first moved into this house, Lauren and I went on a walk around the neighborhood and I told her, I was like, you know what's so insane? When I was a kid on Sundays on our way to church, we used to drive through all the fancy rich neighborhoods and I would just dream about living in a house like that. And here I am living in a dream house, you know, and I would kick my own ass right now if I could go back in time. 15 year old me looking at, you know, what I have now and like, not saying I'm not appreciative. Trust me, I appreciate it. But I'm still hungry. You know, I want more. But to like think when I was 15 that I would have a house and a boat and cars and Jeeps and trucks and toys and everything, you know. That was never even an idea of mine. Mine was just, how do I get to the weekend, you know? How can I survive to at least have some fun this weekend? Now here I am. Family beautiful wife two uh, great healthy kids it's like man this is easy this is easy yeah I mean don't get me wrong it sucks with the, the daily grind or the rut and everyone has their own bitches and gripes and complaints you know I even do it now <laughs> you've seen my job dude I freaking have the easiest job in the world the easiest job in the world <laughs> I've never called your job that mainly because I know like the training and everything. Like, yeah. I know that, right? Yeah. But the the day to day of like where you are now, I mean, you do a lot of extra things though, like with um you know, yeah. your yeah. most recent uh endeavor was pretty awesome and, and I, I can't I wait to get involved next year. 
I had literally told someone, you know why I did that? Selfishly, I did it because I wanted to go ride on a fucking boat with a Coast Guard, dude. Because <laughs> you were bored, you wanted to go have fun. I literally was like, yeah, well, how can I go make fun with the Coasties? And that's how that all came about. Oh, but it's wow. like, you know, this is easy, man. Like, I've been through struggle when I was a kid. You know, I, I, I could easily end up back there, too, if I made a couple wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to stay the course because what's the alternative? You go that route you stay the course what I have now or you keep going, you know, and like I said, I'm hungry. I want a mansion. I want a Ferrari. I want a Lamborghini. I want my own helicopter. Like, where does it end? I don't know. Not saying those are my goals. I'm saying like, if I, was gonna say, if, I don't think, I, I don't think I'd want a helicopter because uh, RIP Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <Kobe>. helicopters, <laughs> helicopters themselves are just weird, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. dreams aspirations and i told him I, I mean i don't know if it's appropriate but I, I should read the text that i have with us that i was yeah it's heavy man i was telling him like kids my kids man i gotta be a hero to them take that for what it is right like mm-hmm. but that's my goal is how can i be everything to my kids versus i'm a, a summertime getaway for them if we weren't married or I was a deadbeat dad and just wasn't around or no way. I'm there for them. We're in this together. Mm-hmm. Sorry, man. Like I said, uh, kind of a heavy night. A little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, you can't be all laughs and jokes all the time, you know. Life happens. That it does. Life does happen. Um, we, you know, you said it in, uh, I think the first episode, we both experienced plenty of it, whether it be via travel or for work, pleasure, whatever, or in other aspects. Every bit of that yeah. makes you, every bit of that goes into a little bit of uh, who you are right now, though. So. For yeah. better or for worse, it's played a part in for better or for, for and, and it's so weird how some of this works. For better or for worse, all of that has put you where you are today. It's put you on this couch next to me right now. Um, I was talking to Megan yeah. about this. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um. So when I live when I lived in Florida, we moved down there because my parents opened a sports bar down in uh, Daytona Beach. Yeah, yeah, Daytona, Daytona Beach and Bel Air Plaza. It was called Wings Pizza and Things. It was a sports bar. It was a huge sports bar. It was actually pretty awesome. It's a really awesome place. And however, can I interrupt real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I think it's the first time I've ever heard you say Bel Air Plaza. So, did yeah. you ever do the Turkey Rod? Turkey Rod Run? Yeah, yeah, that was in the parking the, lot of the, our of restaurant. The plaza. Yeah. So yeah. Lawrence Dad used to own um, a condo in the Mediterranean. So uh-huh. the orange condo across the street from that. And I remember we used to always, yeah, dude, anyway, sorry. The orange one right across there? The Mediterranean. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. yeah. Her dad had one of his many condos, yeah, was uh, in the Mediterranean. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, we yeah, we knew, obviously, we know the Turkey Rod Run, that was a, uh, you know, a big moneymaker for us. We would, they would uh, go hand out flyers and coupons and yep. shit and be like, hey, you know, when you're done here, you come over there. Because you have Publix in that plaza, right? What's that? The Publix in that plaza? Yeah, yeah, Publix, yeah, Bells, Bells Outlet, and then you at the time you had us. There's a bowling yeah. alley. 
There's um, a surf shop in there. The next plaza over. They had a was, man. What is the name of that place? Georgia Peach, I think it was. Or uh, oh my god, there's a restaurant over there. There's a breakfast thing, and they do these like peach apple fritters for breakfast that you put uh, strawberry yogurt on. I can't think. I can't oh think my what you're talking god, about. I wish Lauren was down here. Anyway, sorry. I don't know. We totally went off side there, but I've never heard you say Bel Air Plaza. I'm like, dude, that's my stomping ground. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, and then I went to Seabreeze, which was right next door to that. Yeah. Which and unfortunately, this restaurant closed before uh, I was a sophomore in high school. Because um, if it had in one at my high school at Seabreeze, we were allowed to leave campus for lunch. That's if you were awesome. a sophomore between senior. So yeah. if I if my if we had a my parents owned a freaking restaurant next to yeah. where I went to school, <laughs> yeah. I was getting free I was getting free damn lunch every day. You kidding me? Yeah. Bring back a large pizza for a few for me and a few friends. <laughs> It'd be good to go, but um. Anyway, so we opened. They opened it up in 2007, and then um, it uh, it closed. Would have been 2010, 2011, probably more like 2011. Um, which and that closing ultimately led to us moving back to Ohio. But before we moved back to Ohio, um, I had been in contact with the Air Force recruiter. In Florida, who had me take the ASVAB? So I take the ASVAB in Florida. We get to Ohio, and then when I finally get to my new school in Ohio, I get my ASVAB score. Do the you know do the whole recruiting process, and I eventually got Loadmaster, which put me in Dover. But if that restaurant doesn't close, I still probably join the Air Force. However. I'd be willing to bet that I would not be a loadmaster and I would not be in Dover, and which means I would not have met Megan. Something is like right yeah. if we if yeah. they had never decided to open the restaurant and in the first place, yeah. like to move down there in the first place, if they had never decided and if if the restaurant had never closed, if we were able to continue living in Florida and we never moved back to Ohio, like all these little things eventually led to just the simple fact of. Me the and Megan meeting. order of effects, right? Right, the domino effect. First, secondary, tertiary effect. Or, All of uh, that. No, I like to think of the um, the butterfly theory. The butter, yes. Butterfly. That movie, by the way, that movie, that movie is fucking crazy. I wasn't gonna go that far. <laughs> I was just gonna give the example, but yeah, you're talking about the Ashton Kutcher one, right? I was gonna say the uh, butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil and causes a tornado in. Georgia, right? Right. Yeah. On a lighter note, speaking of butterflies, my uh, golden retriever chases butterflies in the yard and jumps in the air trying to catch them. K.I. Titian. K.I. Titian. That was Jeff Goldblum's character's job on a, in Jurassic Park. Oh, yes. Chaos, like Chaos Titian or K.I., I guess, whatever yeah. you said it, yeah. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie. We watched it uh, two nights ago. <sighs> Dang! Come on. Yeah. I've had to uh, ignore a lot of just the like being like critical of their movies and just be like, it's fucking dinosaurs. Just enjoy it. <laughs> and yeah, they went like, way they're, off the handrails on that one. Right. There's parts of that where it's just like, all right. Have you like, seen the newest one? Yes. Yeah. yeah I started to watch that one and they're there's, like genetically altered grasshoppers now and all that. And I was like, oh. Like this is Man, a dinosaur. You movie. guys went so far off the rails on this. This is a dinosaur movie, and the ba- and the main threat is 
grasshoppers. Yeah, like literally, you have the entire cast back. Everybody's back, and you go with great premise, though, in the sense of like what's happening today. Well, sure, that's very real of what we're doing right now in America. But uh, rebreeding dinosaurs. No, the whole uh, yeah, actually, yeah, maybe. Oh, maybe somebody's doing it. And some we are. Uh, yeah. Anyway, like there was parts of it, right? Because they're somewhere. They're in the mountains. They're they're like in the Alps or something. Like in and it's like yeah. there's snow. And I'm like, wait a second, weren't dinosaurs cold blooded? Speaking of mountains in the snow, you ready? One more story to end the maybe the night because this is a funny one, and I got permission to use it. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah, we can go ahead and do that. Last episode, we gave a shout out to uh, Wink for summoning Rainier. And I was like, hey, that's funny. I got some stories about Rainier. And I got some funny stories. Uh, I never attempted it. I never did it. And I regret it 100%. Boom, look at that. I forget the ruling on that. He punted it and it hit the... Look how freaking massive that thing is, dude. Yeah, so we have taken a hard left turn to Sorry. the football game on the TV screen. And the was it the punter? Yeah, the punter. The punter just booted up into the big jumbotron in Dallas because it's the largest jumbotron in the world. Oh, they're just redoing it. I think I always forget the ruling on that, but yeah, it's supposed to be what is that like sixty yard long TV screen? Oh yeah, it's ridiculously long, and it's ridiculous that he can hit that thing. Anyway, sorry. However many feet up in the air Super big tangent, but I just looked up and saw that. Anyway, so I never did Rainier. I never attempted it. I had friends that had many attempts, and then I have people or friends that have summoned it. So, uh, Wink, that's awesome. Good job, because it took you, I think, a few attempts, and you didn't quit. So that's probably the best feeling in the world. I think this was his fourth attempt, and he finally God, had to do awesome. it. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Each of the previous three were... Uh, canceled due to weather weather yeah which is probably the primary reason most people don't make it up so uh i had a friend that i uh, alluded to last uh podcast that his wife decided that a great way to recover postpartum would be to train prepare and go and summit rainier so while she was raising their first child uh they decided to get in shape together of go and do some crazy hikes on the weekends try to do some um, altitude training, heavy ruck training, uh, endurance training. And they had it all planned out. So her mom came out, if I remember the story correctly. I got permission to use this story. I just won't use names. So uh, if I don't get every detail right, reach to me, please, uh, so I can clarify. But anyway, so her mom came out and watched their daughter while they went and climbed Rainier. And I think they were supposed to be gone like seven or eight days. Well, she's a brand new mother. It's only, I think, like four or five months postpartum, and she was still breastfeeding. Well, if you know or you don't know, I'm going to educate you too. A woman's milk supply dries up when the demand's not there. So even by stopping feeding for like two to three days, dude, the body goes, oh, there's no longer demand for this, and the female's body will stop producing milk. So she didn't want that to happen because she's still raising a child. It's just she's taking a hiatus because she is climbing this mountain. So how you prevent that is, how do you prevent yourself from drying up? I'm assuming pump milk. You are pumping or she is pumping, right? So you have to take everything with you on the mountain and you have to take everything off the mountain. You can't leave anything. So she doesn't want to waste a drop of this liquid gold that is breast milk. 
So they had a big crew of people uh, who were all going to go and attempt this summit. And one of these individuals who is not a part of this marriage, but a friend of all of ours was in the middle of preparing for a physique contest. He was a bodybuilder who was slimming down and was going to go and do a male physique contest. So get up on stage and be all oiled up and, uh, you know, go do the poses and all this stuff. No, actually, yes. Yeah, he's one of them. No, this the story's not him, though. No, 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 I'm sorry. For those of you listening, we have a friend in common who, yeah. So he does that, or he has, but this isn't that person, though. Yeah, yeah. but that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that would have been uh, awesome if yeah. that was him. No, this, anyway. So uh, just give you reference, we worked with a guy who was retired and is a professional physique model, and he started this cult. And sorry if you ever listen to this, uh, that I don't mean to call you what you do a cult, but I'm saying is like, he recruits a lot of people. He teaches them. He trains them. He prepares them. And they go and they freaking murder these contests, man. They win all the accolades, especially him. He wins every single freaking one. So anyway, uh, so this guy goes and he goes, I'm going to climb Rainier, but I'm also about to do this physique contest in like three weeks. So they're on Rainier. It's like day two. They're at base camp. And I guess the mom is always peel off to the side. And even afterwards, she said that, uh, she felt like she was slowing everyone down because she would always have to peel off and pump. So it's a hand pump too. Usually now they're like electric and you just plug them in and they literally just pump automatically versus you hand pumping it like a, a primer. So she doesn't have that luxury. It's all about weight. So she has a classic hand pump, I guess. So what it is, is you connect it to the breast and you start pumping, pumping, and it literally goes into a bottle, or in this case, I believe it was a bag. And what she would do is she would literally just take it and it's weight. She doesn't want it, but you know, you got to collect it and whatever. So she would take it and just dump the milk right there in the snow, apparently, and then uh, take the bag and just reuse the bag constantly. So she just kept dumping her freaking, uh, her breast milk. Well, our friend not a part of the marriage, but on the trip goes up to my friend and goes, Hey man, uh, I noticed your wife is, uh, dumping that milk out. And, uh, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, I got this contest coming up and I'm, I'm really cutting down, but, uh, I'm starving. Like I'm literally starving right now. And I need all the freaking fat and protein I can get as long as it's good fat and protein source. And I wanted to ask you before I ask her, but, uh, you think uh, it's okay if I uh, drink your wife's breast milk? And without even hesitating, he goes, bro, I guess. I mean, you have to ask her. And he's like, so you're okay with it? He's like, I don't give a shit. You know, go ask her. So uh, he walks up and he goes, hey, uh, I, I got to ask you. This might seem weird, but uh, I'm, I'm really hungry. and I'm, I'm kind of starving over here. And I was just wondering, um, instead of you dumping out, can I drink your breast milk? <laughs> and she was like, uh... I mean, I'd rather it go to a good use versus me just dumping it out, right? <laughs> and uh, come to find out, apparently bodybuilders seek this stuff out. You can go on like Craigslist and there's like ratings for it all. And women make money selling their breast milk. And I get it. I, 100% I understand if it's going to like another child that the mom can't produce it. But to know like there's guys out there that for body, because you got to think it grows humans. But this individual goes, yeah, if you don't mind. So for the rest of the trip, every time they were like, all right, let's stop. Let's go ahead. If you go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Uh, if you want to eat, eat. And Paige would, ooh, I said her name. All right. Uh, maybe edit that out. So uh, she would go over and uh, pump, you know, and uh, 
he would uh, go over there and, uh, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> Just stand by and take it and drink a breast milk. That's how you survive on the mountain. I... <laughs> okay, so like, doesn't like I'm just trying to think, right? If like if I would have like if I drink milk, but doing anything before doing anything like physical or anything like that, I'm gonna have some stomach cramps or something, right? <laughs> like, did that does that was that not a thing? He was no, had no issues. I don't know that part of the story, but I think it's so funny. How many people that might listen to this get grossed out? But here's what blows my mind: now that my wife has had two daughters that have breastfed it's so funny to me that we don't even bat an eye that we're okay drinking milk from another freaking mammal yeah like we even we even categorize a cow's milk you don't even think twice about but i have to say goat's milk people are like oh what oh but then i say what about my wife's breast milk and people are like, oh what and like that's so funny that's where we draw the line like well, now I have to ask: Have you tried your wife's breast milk? Yeah, yeah, I have. I've, I've never tried breast milk before, so I mean, I didn't drink it, but I mean, I tried it. It's sweet, you know. It's huh. like, no, you gotta get over the fact, you know, like what it is. Sweeter than like regular cow milk, or almost like creamer. If I had to like put a creamer, interesting. Yeah. Okay, but it's just so funny because it's like cow's milk, and no one even says like we're the only species on Earth that seeks out another species' milk. Well, just like we're the only species that thinks cannibalism is weird. Yeah, we, we talked, talked about, about that, that in the past one. before, yeah, right? A couple times, yeah. Like you know, but then again, you think about it, like okay, well, we're also the only species that builds highways, so that's a fact. We've been on the moon, baby. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen very many whitetails on the uh, moon. Or to wrap this up to a survival story, that yeah. there was a lady who was doing an ultra marathon and she got lost. This was in uh, Australia. She uh, was got lost. She was out there, I think, for like eleven days, if I remember correctly, and she survived by drinking her own breast milk. Boom goes the dynamite okay that'd be the plus of going on a loan postpartum (laughs) 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 just drink your own milk right oh man i'm sure there's gotta be a rule against that i don't think a rule but your body once again if you're not taking stuff in you can only recycle so much and you're depleting right i was gonna say yeah that's gotta eventually deplete you yeah i mean it might help you in the short term I mean, there it gets such like it goes down to such a science that even like women breastfeeding or there is a breastfeeding diet to pr- have the, the have the best supply possible, have the healthiest mm-hmm. supply possible. So crazy. I just thought that was a funny story about Rainier. Maybe bring some humor into a heavy evening. Yeah, but um, I don't even know where to go with that. Yeah, we can wrap it up, man. Or yeah. What's next on the docket for you? You've been gone for a while, so now you're back. You're going to keep hunting? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get back out there. Um, you know, I'm having the worst dove season I've ever had. I've been out twice. Uh, no doves yet. Um, I got. I, I can't get skunked on the season. So, um, And then hopefully the temperature drops a little bit more here soon, so that way uh, I can get out and stand or in yeah. a ground blind. Uh, Megan went dove hunting with me that's awesome she wanted to uh, see what it was uh, all about so we uh, actually got up early one morning and uh, i took her out to a dove field before the sun came up and waited you know that was the second day um unfortunately didn't really get anything or i didn't say it didn't really we didn't get anything at all so yeah. but um it was she still enjoyed the process uh and she just enjoyed being out there 
which is half the battle really is if uh, you don't treat it as boredom and you treat it as just like, I'm enjoying being out here. You know, that's awesome. Half the battle is just waiting. So um, she wants to experience some more hunts now that uh, she's done that. Um, she wants to go deer hunting, but I wanted to make sure that she could, you know, I, I wanted to ease her in with dove hunting first. Um, I mean, it's just a thing of all of its own. Like I was just thrown out. I want to go deer hunt. All right, sit here. Be back in a little bit. Don't shoot me when I come in. You know, it's like I was a kid. Like, just figure it out and go and hang out in the woods, right? Right. But like we've talked about in the past too, it's all about that action. So if you can get someone kind of hooked by catching a bluegill versus taking them bass fishing, exactly. That's the exact shoot same a thing. duck versus taking a deer. You know. Plus, I mean, there's, I mean, dove is there's not much work. There's hardly any work yeah. that goes into it, right? There's a lot of work that goes into a deer. I want to be a lot less upset if um we miss a dove if rather than um missing a deer i'll be a lot more upset about that one so um i've explained to her like hey like this is what we're gonna have to do and like when we do this um i'm only taking her out for gun season just to increase her chances so i can shoot something further away um i told her like look you're probably gonna she only washes her hair once a week so i'm like okay we'll try and time it we're like it's a week after you wash your hair and before we go out you'll rinse your hair off and everything um so that way you know you get all the oily human smells out of your hair wear a hat, try and um, minimize your smell as much as possible and, uh, you know, see what, see what we can do. Um, I've got a, uh, I've got this one spot that uh, I think should do fine, especially if, uh, you know, I'm able to set it up the way I want to. So um, it's where I caught, it's where I caught my one, it's where or I say I caught, it's where I killed my, my one doe uh, last, last fall. Um, good size doe. And there's there's always been deer there, so I'm looking forward to getting back out to that one. Yeah, again, um, hopefully it, it shall provide. Yep, I need to get out there. We got to scout. We haven't done any deer scouting together. No, but at this point, I think I'm just gonna have to take leave, do some weekday stuff if I can. Weekends are hard right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. All right, closing comments. Get out there. Yeah. Like I said, uh kind of a heavy conversation. Definitely uh one that we shouldn't be scared to talk about in all honesty, like the no. uh depression, those thoughts, you know, it's like I said, if whoever listens to this, if you need to call me, text me. Do it, please, please. Yeah, um, heavy topic for sure. Yeah. It affects everybody, and it's but it, however, like it's a heavy topic, but it's it's a, it's one that everybody's encountered at least well, about, in some shape. Or form. Well, how about this to wrap it back all together? You have to have that outlet, right? You have to have that healthy outlet. So if you are struggling with those bad thoughts, you know how healthy it is to get outside and go for a walk. Even around your own neighborhood, just get outside. I heard a thing the other day, dude. Like, sorry, we're, I, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but I heard a thing the other day that I want to know how much validity is in this statement. They have to give vitamin D shots in boot camp for Marines now because this, I'm not trying to do like a generational thing. Like, I'm the old grumpy man. No, but like this new generation is not out riding their bikes. Everyone's inside now. 
So going through boot camp, going through BMT, they're actually giving vitamin D shots, right? So when you are inside and you are stuck in this rut and this daily grind, you know how healthy it is just to get outside, put the phone down, go for a walk. Don't put your uh, your AirPods in or you know, an earpiece in or headphones. No, just listen. Go outside and just sit and listen. Go for a walk. So that's why I love fishing. This I, I make the joke all the time. It's my therapy. My wife's like, why do you go at five in the morning? You know, you, you need sleep. I'm like, no, I don't. You know how therapeutic it is for me to cast out my line and just sit there. Like today I went, I didn't even take my boat. I took a kayak, took a kayak and just sat there and I didn't even catch a damn fish. Just kept sat in the middle of the lake. Just, just messing around, you know, get outside, pick a hobby, move, fly remote control airplanes, <laughs> go hunt, hunt fish. Yeah. Have um, something with a reward system. Because just to do a hobby and there's no reward at the end. Yeah, it sucks to get skunked, but you know what? That's why you go again. Because you don't want to get skunked next time. Yeah. And you want to make up for that one time. And you feel better and you're doing better and you're learning and it's a new skill and it's a snowball effect, right? And then with hunting, you actually get to eat your reward. Your reward is the is the, the food. Yeah. And that's why even like I got back into jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like... The re- your reward is choking somebody out with their own clothes? <laughs> Ah, yeah. I did. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. I told you. Oh, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But. All right. So I guess I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Closing comments. Um, We know it's been a little bit. Uh, We had some, you know, work issues come up that uh, prevented us from uh, recording. Uh, this past week so but you're in luck we have another one coming up very soon um a little bit later this week um we can't uh we can't really talk about too much what's going on with that one uh however i will say um potential to be another heavy hitter but very very educational and very interesting um i hope it happens it'll probably be some of our best most interesting eye-opening content yeah yet um if everything lines up if everything praying it does again we don't want to release too much on it in just in case it doesn't happen but um super excited for this yes so um if it happens don't worry we'll be shouting it from the mountaintops and you'll know it happened um and if it didn't, well, then we're just going to pretend it never fucking happened. Just like you should if you didn't like this episode. Just, uh, you know, pretend it never happened. And if you uh, enjoyed it, well, keep listening. It, yeah, keep listening. Pass it along to somebody. Let's uh, let's let's grow this audience. Um, so I'll and, say this. He said if he's here, he's here. He'll do it. it the biggest problem right now, or the biggest fight is getting him here. Uh-huh. So we have everything lined up, the hotel, all that stuff, right? But it's just getting him here. Okay. So he said, once I'm there, I'm all yours. Use me. I was like, that's the plan. So we'll be careful because, uh, yeah, I don't. Okay. Easy yeah. enough. Um, He's old. <laughs> right. Understood. <laughs> anyway. All right. Awesome, man. Um, so, well, love you, Karen. Miss you, Rick. Love you, man. And uh, for everyone, thanks for listening. See you.